This is the Tomato Tomato Podcast. Thanks for joining us today, or tonight, or in the morning, whenever you're listening to this. You could be <laughs> listening to it live, or in the distant future. Either way, this is a movie podcast, and it's about the way that movies are reviewed. I'm your co-host, Chris, and with me is... Jenna, your other co-host. The other co-host. I am also the other co-host. <laughs> we are so- both the other co-hosts. <laughs> So today is going to be a little different than usual. We're doing a kind of tomato harvest. Yes. Kind of just a kind of a recap roundup. Yeah, because it's movie not, the, news. not the end of the month yet, but January is so fucking boring. January, if you <laughs> don't know, is the month that movie studios dump their movies that they have no real investment in because the award season is right around the corner. Uh, so they don't really care. <sighs> Even though there are some movies where it's like, I've never, like, there's there are things that are trying to be awards contenders that I've never heard of before in my life that are, like, just now getting released. Like, that stupid Christian Bale Western Yeah, movie. that came out of nowhere. That came out of nowhere, but it's, like, in contention for this year's award season. And I, I know... I, I know the rules are basically like if it's open for a set amount of time in New York or LA or like a big market, then it still is technically able to be Oscar nominated because like that's how all of the foreign movies get in contention. But it just seems weird to be like, hi, here's this movie, which probably will not get nominated for anything. Yeah. <laughs> but like, here's this movie it's that we're trying to push really hard that also is just now coming out in the theater. Like, it's going to be such a wide scope of like Get Out, which came out a year ago, and this movie, yeah. which came out just now. <laughs> like, it's so weird. But yeah, everything just seems to be like either awards releases that are being kind of pushed out into a wider release now that beforehand were kind of in the indie markets, or it's just random garbage. Yeah. Really is it? Because I mean, you're coming off the high of the the holiday movie season, the Star Wars of, season. Yeah, that's really what it is now. And then you kind of get crap. But really, looking at the tomato meters for January, there's surprises. Yes, like Paddington too. <laughs> When Chris tried to figure out what to do for this episode, he said, can we just talk about Paddington 2? And I said, we have not seen Paddington 2. I don't think we need to. I I know, but I also feel like it would be a disservice to be like, let's keep this movie. Well, I also, I haven't seen the first Paddington, so we'll need to see that first, just so we don't get completely lost in Paddington (laughs) 2. And it's like, I I don't know what the story is here. Just to keep up with the Paddington (laughs) extended universe. Yeah, you know they're going to green light and like spinoffs and sequels oh, from this. God. Well, yeah, because it has a one hundred percent rating. One hundred percent, one hundred and sixty reviews. Nothing rotten about this movie. From what I've heard, it is actually good. Like, which is a surprise to me because yeah. Paddington has never been a thing on my radar. It 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 seems like a just a wholesome movie. Yeah, it, that's, that's kind of the understanding of it. It's like it's super wholesome and the cast is like unnecessarily bringing their A-game and then like the Wes Anderson-esque aesthetic around it all like just combines together. Because like the, the one call out that I kind of saw for a review for it was like this is the one kids movie that adults will actually enjoy. And I was like, yeah, that seems kind of fair. I still don't get that. Um, 
like I, I get it to a point, but to me it's bewildering <laughs> that of all the kids' movies or like kind of family movies, this is the one that everyone's like, holy shit. Uh, so Paddington 2 honors its star's rich legacy. Meh, did be, I don't know about that. With it's the sweet across the pond. Like, yeah, that's true. We're yeah. not Paddington isn't really big here. Yeah. Uh, adorable visuals are matched by a story perfectly balanced between heartwarming family fair and purely enjoyable all ages adventure. Well, and see, I think part of it is like it kind of the fact that it's live action might also help its cause and make yeah. it seem a little bit more like, ooh, this is for everybody and not just for kids kind of thing. Whereas there's such a diluge of like weird like family movies that are all computer generated and then they kind of, I don't know, they're made in such kind, such a bubble sort of mm-hmm. because it's like we have to spend three years animating this before we actually put it out. And so, which is know. funny because the, the first one came out three years ago in 2015. Yeah. But so it's, I, it's like three years apart. That's a long time in like, movie kids years yeah, for like a sequel well and in like kids minds because it's like yeah okay if you're especially for something like paddington yeah well and it's it like it reminds me of like now that you mentioned the three years thing it reminds me of the fact that like i was a little kid when the first ice age movie came out and yet i will probably like <laughs> we will have kids and there will still be Ice Age movies coming Oh, God, out. yeah. Like, it's so weird when franchises kind of do that. And it's like, okay, I know you're kind of just getting the new crop of little kids that are the target demographic, but it feels weird to continue doing that with certain franchises. With The Incredibles, I don't give a fuck. Like, that's the one example where I'm like, please just make a sequel, even though it's, like, 20 years later. But, like, with stuff like Ice Age and, like, a lot of the Pixar things, it's like, do we really need it? We don't need it. Which is funny, because Paddington... I See, I don't know, like, a year or two ago, if you ask kids about Paddington, what they know about it, or if they like Paddington, what... It's just the bear. ...their response would be. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's a cute bear, but it's not something, like... I'm Finding to, Nemo. Or, yeah, and that's something in the public consciousness where people can tell you what it's about, what it is, and have, like, an affinity for it. Yeah. Which, like you are well, saying, it's more of, like, a British-English thing. Because especially looking at the cast. Yeah. You have Hugh Grant, Ben Whipshaw, Brendan Gleeson, uh, all these British people who probably have more familiarity. And like, yeah, sure, I'll do Paddington. <laughs> Well, and I think that's also, it's like, I think that's part of why it got such a high rating is because the cast, like, does good stuff. Yeah. You go from, like, Sally Hawkins being in The Shape of Water to this. (laughs) Like, you could do just the weirdest double feature of, like, let's watch Sally Hawkins have sex with a fish man. And now let's watch her hang out with a CGI bear. Like She's having a really good year. She's had some really critical hits. Yeah, but it's just kind of funny to be, like, I don't know. It, it, it seems like this movie is unnecessarily on top of things when most kids' movies are so, like, lazily... Like, they're made, together. To, they're, they're made to sell toys. They're not made to really so DreamWorks. be a movie. <laughs> Damn. Well, and, like, the entire Cars franchise. Yeah. Yeah. Were, were this, yeah, because uh, I'm not familiar with the writer-director, Paul King. I don't even King. know who that is. Yeah. yeah. I don't know that I, person. 
But yeah, it, it's just it's a weird like flashpoint in kids' movies, sort of. And I think part of it is is it's January. There's not a lot of other kind of kids' movie or just movies to go to. So it's like, yeah, I'll take the kids to go yeah. see this movie. We'll sit in a warm theater. <laughs> a warm theater. That is totally true. Um, but yeah, it's like going back to like all of the other movies that are put around the, or out around this point in time, it definitely is the case of like studios dumping a lot of shit on like out because I remember when like this is a weird example because it technically came out in December, but it was around the same time as Star Wars. So everyone was like, what the fuck are you doing? But like they put out the third pitch perfect movie, which like if you put mm-hmm. that out in the summer, it would have done way better definitely i feel like that was a flash in the like, pan kind of thing i remember so much marketing over the summer yeah and then well, i completely like, that it came out and it just seems kind of dumb to be like let's put it in christmas time and know that it won't really do well in the box office because star wars and whatever else will kind of dominate yeah but then it, it's like okay if you put that out in any point in time in the summer, even just on a week when there's like less stuff going on, sure, it would still be competing around franchise movies, but it would be kind of an appropriate time for it. I don't know. But then again, I think it's a diminishing returns thing because the rating for it is 31%. So and it has 79 rotten reviews and <laughs> yeah. 35 fresh. Yeah. Admittedly, I have not seen a pitch perfect movie. <laughs> You're going to be hard pressed to get me to watch one. <laughs> Maybe once we start our Glee podcast, we can like. I don't acapella. Just get instruments. <laughs> That's what they're made for. Just quit being pretentious. There are instruments. People okay. that. Cry. But I I could convince you to watch the second one only because it has the weirdest cameo. Like my my family was talking about it the other day because m- my sister has been watching the first two movies because she like had wanted to, and so the second one she watched with my dad who had not seen the first one and does not give a shit about the entire franchise, but for some reason he was <laughs> like, yeah, I'll sit and watch Pitch Perfect too. And so there's a one time when they do like a, a music battle sort of thing, and the Green Bay Packers show up. What the hell? See, as a Chicagoan <laughs> and a. <laughs> Not Bears fan. I have to wholeheartedly make my distaste known. It's like, you <laughs> Packers, cheeseheads, get out of here. Rachel is going to be seething as she's listening <laughs> to this. Right now. But, Come at me, Packers fans. No, because the whole thing was that they the the Packers apparently like love that franchise, and they would like sing the songs in the locker room before they went out to practice. And so God. then they were like, "Hey, do you want to be in the sequel?" And they were like, "Hell yeah, we do!" And so that like made the entire movie. But so yeah, I'm like I will get you to at least watch that sequence because it's so ridiculous. I'll watch that. Acapella is not a thing. <laughs> okay, but, but yeah, I mean, just in terms of like other movies that are out right now, I'm I trying to think of things that aren't the, like awards worthy. The other, the other big hit, um, which I I'll see this movie at some point, um, yeah. is Jumanji. Yeah. Welcome to the jungle. Yeah. Uh, I still don't know how to read this movie. People love it. I mean, it's it's fresh at 76%, so it's kind of almost just fresh. Yeah. It has 43 rotten reviews, 134 fresh. And audience score is 90%. Yeah. I mean, I like half the cast for this movie. <laughs> half just divide it straight down the middle <laughs> I, I don't know it's like it's a movie that kind of 
the promotional I've, the more information I found out about the movie the more it kept surprising me because it was like I, I remember I was like oh fuck they don't need a second Jumanji movie and then they put out the cast yeah. and I'm like okay this sounds interesting and then I saw the trailer I'm like okay the concept is kind of interesting plus the cast kind of makes it more worthwhile and then whatever and like even like the supporting cast has like really ridiculous people thrown in Isn't into it. Darby in this? Yes. But so yeah, it's like that's... it's like Reese Darby and Colin Hanks and Nick Jonas and just like the weirdest array of people that are just like random NPCs in their video game part of the movie. And I'm like, I kind of love that. So I don't know. It's I, I will see this at some point and I'm kind of glad that it's getting that it was like well received to an extent, but also at the same yeah. time I'm like it's almost too well received at this point. Like all the box office stuff that I keep hearing about this movie. I'm like, like this is the movie that dethroned star Wars. Yeah. Which is insane. I think a lot of it is because of the rock. Yes. He has a lot of star power. Yeah. And then Jumanji, the first one came out, what? 20 years ago. Now it's not really a thing. It's like, oh, there's nostalgia for it, but it's not like this franchise that's kept going. Exactly. So, yeah. You could have called it literally anything else, and it would have still, I don't know if it would have done Jumanji was the title to get people in seats and curious about it, because if it was named anything else, I don't think people would have been as interested. Yeah, it's like it would have been a little bit harder to green light, even though it's The Rock. It would have been like like just having it be a general thing and not the let's capitalize on 90s nostalgia kind of yeah. thing would be kind of a little bit difficult. But yeah, as the critic concession says, uh, Welcome to the Jungle uses a charming cast and a humorous twist to offer an undemanding uh, yet solidly entertaining update on its source material. Has a 90% audience score. Uh it's kind of what I expect. I mean, it's just like kind of that popcorn fun. Yeah. People like The Rock and Kevin Hart together. What, this is like their <laughs> 12th movie together? Yeah. Although I loved the, the joke on the Golden Globes when The Rock is like something about like charity or whatever. Like <laughs> movies with charity. And he's like, that's why I put Kevin Hart in all of my movies. And it was just like, oh. But Yeah. I don't know. Like they, they seem to do well together and they seem to make a lot of money together. Yeah. Like, it'll be I will be shocked if Kevin Hart isn't somehow in Black Adam. Just even I was just like a two I was... second cameo. <laughs> like well, I'm surprised Kevin Hart isn't in the Fast and the Furious movies yet. Oh god. What's his name? Because they have a feud. Oh yeah, Tyrese. Tyrese. <laughs> Potential Green Lantern Tyrese. <laughs> That's like okay, so this is kind of related in terms of movie news. So I don't know. I'm trying to think of how to frame this. It's funny to me and also kind of disheartening how much Lindsay Lohan wants to play Batgirl. She needs to stop. (laughs) Not just like Uh, it's almost embarrassing how hard she's campaigning for it. Like and she openly said, too, that she's like, I know my baggage and my history is preventing me from that. And it's like, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's kind of exactly it. Like, I I don't know. I, I understand why. it's, But it's such a specific thing. And it's almost, I'm almost like, who got the idea in her head that this should be a thing that she should play? Like, who fancasted her as that on Twitter and now she will not let it go? Because it's like. You created like, a monster, whoever you are. 
it's so she's so persistent about it and it's really interesting and like I is beyond Tyrese levels of <laughs> campaigning. Well, and it's kind of it's fascinating to me because like I I could see Lindsay Lohan from ten years ago absolutely playing Batgirl. Yeah. Like I but thought I think I when she's like, just coming off Mean Girls. Yes, absolutely. More, but now it's the ship has definitely sailed. And that's not to say that she couldn't like do something in a comic book movie if she yeah. really wanted to. If you want to roll in a franchise movie, Lindsay, this is not the one for you. Yeah. But then there's also the argument that I've heard people make where it's like, okay, like Iron Man turned Robert Downey Jr.'s life around, so why can't this be the same thing for Lindsay but I also think, But I also think that's because no one knew the hell Iron Man was. Exactly. That was a clean slate of a character. There was nothing there. Exactly. So yeah. whatever you did with it, people were like, oh, okay. Yeah, but so it's just kind of funny. It's such a like, weird thing that is happening right now to be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> every day, what's Lindsay Lohan going to say about Batgirl? Yeah. But, yeah. Um, uh, but for someone that is kind of already in the DC universe and has made a, another hit of a movie, uh-huh. uh, Margot Robbie. Yes. I, Tanya, you saw <laughs> this one. Yes, I did. I Once you see it, we can actually talk about it. But yeah, it it it's a very interesting movie. I now cannot look at Sebastian Stan the same way, like, <laughs> which was surprising because uh, like it would need to take something very specific to do that because like I have had a schoolgirl crush on Sebastian Stan since I got into the MCU, so it was just kind of funny to be like, but like that movie is fucking insane and it's so good and I'm glad like it's obviously an awards darling like it already kind of was way before it got a wide release but I'm kind of glad that like people are talking about it and stuff so yeah it's it's fresh 89 percent audience score yeah oh the the audience score it doesn't have what it's 96 percent want to see it Oh, okay. Did, did it not get a wide release yet? It did, like, Friday. Okay, so that's like, why. Yeah, because I, I think it's just kind of updated a little weirdly. But, yeah. yeah I'm um, like, I'm, 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 I'm a little biased because it's like, okay, when you combine Margot Robbie and Sebastian Stan and really, like, well-done filmmaking and dialogue and 80s and just put all of that in a blender, <laughs> you get a perfect movie in my mind. <laughs> but, like, it is a genuinely good movie. And, like, I know we were talking in our last episode about kind of the awards bait sort of stuff and, like, what stuff is actually worth nominations. And, like, this one I definitely feel like is. Oh, yeah. I Margot's great. Everyone seems to love this. Uh, the critic consensus uh, led by strong work from Margot and Alice <laughs> Janney, I, Tanya, finds the humor in its real-life story without losing sight of its more tragic and emotionally resonant elements. If they ever actually make the Joker-Harley movie that no one fucking wants, I want the guy who directed this to direct that. Uh, so that was Craig Gillespie. Yes, because... I'm not familiar with him. Yeah, I don't know what else he's really done outside of this, but just judging off of this movie and how it handles abusive relationships and how it kind of has... It has definitely has a nuance to <laughs> All right, it. So I so here's one movie he has directed. Okay. Uh, and it's kind of relevant to upcoming hashtag Ryan Gosling month. Okay. He directed Lars and the Real Girl. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah. 
And yeah. he's also done uh, f- the Fright Night reboot movie. Yeah. Honest Hours. I forgot uh, that he had done a lot of things. Shit. So, yeah. Like all movies I've heard of. Like, <laughs> and like Lars and the Real Girl is great. Like it's going to be hard when we narrow down hashtag Ryan Gosling month because there are so many suggestions and they are all good. Like, they really are. So keep your suggestions yeah. coming for hashtag Ryan Gosling month. But like ultimately we will pick the movies because I already have quite a few <laughs> in mind. But yeah, it, he's like, he's really good at stuff like that. And like Lars and the Real Girl is a really good kind of, depiction of mental illness in a way that is nuanced and not making someone the butt of a joke kind of and so i don't know it I'm seems like, like he uh, just not having seen the movie but it yeah. seems like that's what he kind of did in itanya yes exactly because like itanya has a shit ton of very heavy stuff going on like very intense things but then it balances it with humor in a way that is really it's not like a whiplash inducing kind of thing it just kind of like sets this tone that's like very darkly comedic but also gives things the like weight that they need to have Mm -hmm. so i'm like i need him to direct something in the superhero space and my point is that if that stupid joker harley movie becomes a thing (laughs) i need someone with that amount of nuance to actually approach it because otherwise it's going to be a clusterfuck and i feel like from margot's perspective i don't think she'll do that movie unless it has that level of nuance oh definitely i i feel like she might be coming more picky with the movies exactly takes on well and like totally within her right like why dedicate your time to doing that is something that'll flop like tarzan (laughs) like kind of a it'll come and go kind of thing when she could be making i tanya's exactly well and like i think especially with harley i think that it's it was interesting when she said the thing in the interview like a month ago where she was like someone asked her about the joker harley movie and the the Gotham City Sirens and the Birds of Prey reboot or like solo thing that she has planned and Suicide Squad too. So it's like, okay, there's like all these different avenues to put Har- like Harley back on screen and like what kind of her thoughts were on it. And she was kind of like, well, yeah, everyone wants Harley back there. So, you know, I think everyone's just trying to figure out the best way to make that happen, which felt like a very diplomatic way of her saying they're uh, no creating more. all of these scripts, but it <laughs> yeah. will ultimately be my say in what is like what I end up doing, which kind which of, is good for yeah. her. I mean, yeah. she she deserves to have a choice in what she does, and it's yeah. it's funny we get two ends of the spectrum here where you have Margot Robbie kind of being very particular about what she takes on, and then you have The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, who's like, I'm going to make a dozen movies this year. You're going to see me every other month and he does not stop working no no. like it's it's a joke at this point there's that whole commercial where it's like like for iphones or whatever where he's just kind of running around doing all of this stuff for his day and then talking to siri here and there and it's just like yeah he's unnecessarily busy and it's kind of hilarious but i commend him for it because he is getting a, a lot done he does i i don't know how he does it me neither. Um, one thing that didn't do it at the box office this last month, um, it went nowhere, ironically, being called The Commuter. Oh, God. That movie just, like, the trailer gave me hives. I'm like, this is too stressful. I don't it, know. <laughs> I feel like this movie was made to ride on the wave of Taken 
Yes. Like, let's let Liam Neeson do more action things again yeah. when I think we're all kind of done with it, and so is he. Yeah. It just, I don't know. I'm like, that doesn't feel like escapism to me. It just feels stressful to watch. And, like, I don't know. It. it um, so the, the concept, com- like the concept's kind of interesting. But, it is. I feel like yeah. if it was someone else other than Liam Neeson, or just I don't know. If it if it was someone else other than Liam Neeson, I don't think it would get made because the like you said, it's kind of the taken. It's like it's taken, but on a train. <laughs> like yeah. that's honestly the elevator pitch for this movie. Uh, the critics think uh, the commuters cast is better than its workmanlike <laughs> script, which helps make this reasonable diverting Liam Neeson action thriller worth the price of a matinee ticket or rental, if not a full price ticket. It yeah. has uh, get ready, 69 fresh reviews. Nice. nice. And 54 rotten, uh, 56% uh, rotten and 51% audience score liked it. Yeah. Are pe- I think people are just kind of tired of Liam Neeson action movies at this point. Well, and it just seems like it's the thing that we talk about periodically where it's like, if you're going to make the effort to go to a movie theater, this is not what you're going to see. No, like we've talked about before, people are being more picky. Like yeah. Like Robbie. Yes. Uh, in the movies they go see. Like, why am I going to spend upwards $10, $15 on something I could just spend $5 at home to rent? Exactly. Yeah. Like, I, I could see movies like that and, like, even, like, like Insidious is doing not well with critics, but, like, is occasionally making money because it's a horror movie and there's always going to be an avenue for horror movies. Yeah. But, like, I, I like, there's the stuff like that will succeed more in the, like, Redbox and Netflix and streaming space mm-hmm. than it will in the theatrical space. So it's just kind of, it's interesting because you see stuff, especially in January, you see stuff kind of like these, these trends that pop up and then just repeat themselves in a way. Cause it's like, let's throw a horror movie in, let's throw a generic action movie in, let's throw whatever and just kind of see what sticks. And it doesn't matter because by the summertime, that thing will be out on DVD and we'll make more of our money back. Something like, uh, Probably it, it it is Oscar bait movie, uh, the post. Now that that's Oscar bait. That's yeah, like that's prestigious. Oscar. Like, well, I should. It, it's obvious because you have Meryl Streep in it. So. Yeah, and it's it's Spielberg and Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks, and so it's like if you're going to go see an Oscar bait movie, possibly with like your parents or your grandparents, or if you just like I don't know, it's it's very much. Like, there is definitely an audience for that movie, but I don't know. It, it's very much like an older <laughs> audience yes, sort of thing. It is. It, it, it's what your your grandparents are going to see because it's like, oh, there's that Meryl Streep. We like her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's something like politically relevant now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, MSNBC I mean, I, talks about it once a day. Like, <laughs> yeah. and they air commercials for it all the time because it's very relevant. But and it also is kind of interesting because Spielberg goes from that to Ready Player One. It's he has <laughs> he has a weird range. Yes, <laughs> of doing the big popcorn flicks to the Oscar bait movies. Yeah, it's 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 honestly really interesting because like I I can't blame him because everything no. like everything he does is going to make money in one way or the other. 
but it's just kind of, it's funny to see how that disparity kind of happens because it's just so varied. But yeah. yeah. It, it, so post period setting Belisles, it's blittingly timely themes brought compellingly to life by director Spielberg and an outstanding ensemble cast. Yeah. 88% fresh, 74% audience score, only 30 rotten reviews. I mean, yeah, that's kind of what I expected. Yeah. With a cast like this. Um, I mean, Fuck. You, oh. I think, I feel like putting Meryl Streep in a movie is kind <laughs> of unfair because she just has this, like... Quality a, to it. I don't know. Yeah. Where it automatically is like, oh, we have to see this, and she's automatically going to get nominated for it. Uh-huh. Um, and yet, know. and yet, they seem to kill her off from Mamma Mia for no yeah. reason. That was so stupid. I liked the first movie when I saw it as like a teenager, but then I like seeing all the uproar over the trailer of like, how dare they kill off Mary Street? <laughs> like because she's busy. <laughs> like she, she, she has a very full schedule, or she's just gonna sit at home and do whatever because she deserves to. So, what does Meryl Streep do in her free time? I don't know. I like can't picture it. Me neither. It's like, it's like trying to imagine Paul F. Tompkins in sweatpants. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of can, only because of his story about how when he got his when he did his driving test and then got his license photo, he was in crappy clothes and then when he got pulled over by a cop they thought that he was a different person because his photo <laughs> on his id did not look like him but yeah exactly it's like i don't know what meryl streep does with her downtime at all i can't like picture her just chilling out doing whatever watching netflix i don't know it's just yeah. so weird yeah yeah this this was really a weird a month of movies. There was really no kind of middle ground of it, it was either great or okay or just awfuls. And a lot of movies that I have never heard of came out apparently, like Proud Mary. Oh, yeah. There's a whole article about that. I've had bookmarked and I have not had a chance to read, but like they completely have f dropped the ball on promoting that movie for absolutely no reason. And there's kind of like a an analysis of that. She's huge right now. She's exactly. on, uh, I'm blanking of the Empire. Fox Empire. She just did. I, I'm forgetting Hidden figures. Hidden figures. Thank you. <laughs> I my brain's not working. It's okay, mine really isn't either. But but so yeah, you know, something it, like that where it was poorly marketed, but the audience liked it. Critics did not. And then you have something else like uh, Jessica Chastain and Molly's Game. Yeah, kind of came and went. <laughs> that yeah, I'll see that. That's again. It's like I'll see that at some point when it's a matinee or it's on streaming or whatever. Yeah. But like, I'm not rushing to the theater to go see it but yeah it's just a weird month i don't know because then uh i'm looking over another release uh this isn't from january it's from from last month but okay. it's recent enough that it, it i think it's noteworthy to talk about is ferdinand okay my it has a 70 yeah. percent score and a 49 percent audience score that's weird I don't so understand that. Critics generally love this movie or liked it, and audiences were not into this movie at all. That's really weird. But okay, but there's only five thousand or six thousand user ratings. 
Which shows that no one really saw it, but the people who did did not like it. That's weird. My sister and my dad yeah. saw it, and they said that they liked it. But that's really weird. I, I did not notice that there's such a discrepancy with that. Whereas, okay, there's another film that we have talked about at length, or enough at length, both on and off mic, that has a very big audience-to-critic ratio, and it is the P.T. Barnum fan fiction <laughs> i just had an aneurysm this is truly fan fiction it is uh the critics fan fiction <laughs> go yeah. listen to the episode the dollop episode about pt barnum and you will look at this movie in a completely different way so i wonder how okay so i'm going to read the critic consensus from this uh the greatest showman tries hard to dazzle the audience with a barnum style sense of wonder but at the expense of its complex subjects far more intriguing real life story Fucking thank you. Exactly. Which like, so the critics are yeah. on to, they know the true story of P.T. Barnum. Or at least and, some of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't need to know the specifics to know that this is not an accurate movie. But when you do know the specifics, it makes it so much more infuriating. Because we could have got such a better, different movie than what we had. A dark as fuck movie about him like exploiting a little old blind woman and pretending that she's 200 years old and the whole thing with the mermaids and whatever like the real life story of P.T. Barnum is insane and yet and this isn't this is all before he gets the circus yeah and, it, and it, so it, they it just does. water it down and make it like oh he instantly came out with the circus and it was such a good idea and he's and this he white figure that helped. yeah it, yeah uh, it's, it's infuriating so how much they're like rewriting history. Yeah. <laughs> and it's infuriating because it's Hugh Jackman, charming, handsome Hugh Jackman singing and dancing. Yeah. I And uh, like no. and, and the like okay, if you took the Zendaya Zach Efron subplot of that movie and put it in another movie, I would watch it. Like enthusiastically, genuinely watch it, but I will not watch it in the context of this garbage movie. <laughs> That movie should have been its own thing, not yeah. any relation to P.T. Barnum. Uh, the American public school system has failed us because this movie audience score is 90%, so people are clearly <laughs> not educated on P.T. Barnum. Uh... Um, it has 15,000 user ratings. Like I, I get, I get why people now are frustrated when biopics aren't accurate. Like yes. I, I get why there was that whole uproar about the Wonder Woman creator biopic not being accurate and like stuff like that on when it's just like no, this completely misrepresents the real person. That's how I feel about this movie because I'm like you are completely the, wrong. If this movie was <laughs> not a P.T. Barnum movie and it was yeah. a wholly original character. Just about totally a fine with that. Yeah, just, just about a, a dude person. that makes a circus. I'd be totally okay with that. Because looking over the uh, the reviews for this, every negative one is about the historical inaccuracies. Good. Uh, it does not Good. offer offer insights. Um, and yeah, it's impossible to separate the greatest showman from what we know of P.T. Barnum. Perfunctory effort and story music dance and direction that Proffers empty message about uniqueness. Because, uh, well, like, even if you, even if you take ranks to riches, yeah, it's. Even if you don't know the story of P.T. Barnum, even if you just like look at the cultural kind of 
mindset around the Barnum and Bailey circus, it already is a fucked up movie because you're like, yes. let's celebrate this guy whose big legacy is torturing animals basically in a circus. Yeah. But so like that makes it bad enough. But when you actually know the real story, it makes it a hundred times worse. <laughs> it really does. It's, we could have got a, a much better, interesting movie. Yeah. I, I'd really be curious to know if this was historical inaccuracies aside, if this was a well-crafted movie, if it's well done, which I'm sure at some level it is, but it's still hard to separate the historical baggage from this. Although, okay, so there is a, so there's a website, I'm surprised we haven't mentioned it before. There's a website called Letterboxd, which is basically like you can like yeah. log all of the movies that you watch on it and you can make lists of movies of like here's all the movies I want to see or here's all of what like like I have an account on there I have a list on there that's all of the movies we cover stuff like that. We should that. maybe start a, a tomato one for that. Yeah we should but so there's a um you can make very specific lists and there's a whole twitter account that's like best of letterbox which just kind of makes fun of those lists because there's like people will realize a similarity between two movies and then they'll make a list that's just those two movies and then it's kind of hilarious but so i had to pull it up so that i could read the entire title and not butcher it because it's kind of hilarious yeah. so there's a list on letterbox that is called Big screen musical starring Hugh Jackman in which our young hero gets caught stealing a loaf of bread and ends up raising kids whose mother is played by an actress who starred in Brokeback Mountain. And then it says, you wouldn't think this is a list, but it has two entries, which are The Greatest Showman and Les Mis. (laughs) It's so weird because I'm like, okay, yeah, technically those are two like those that's exactly the same in both movies but i have a yeah yeah it's just kind of hilarious because it's like wait what (laughs) but yeah if you're thinking about seeing the greatest showman watch les mis instead and then just listen to the pt and then go listen to the dollop exactly that's all you need yeah uh and then i think we'll like this one last movie just yeah it's not even almost noteworthy because it's so clearly just lazy oscar bait okay the phantom thread <laughs> I that's don't what think... it is it's lazy it's like it's daniel day lewis it's automatically gonna be you it's know so, it's so perplexing like i still i don't the, care the trailers of this movie are so overly pretentious that's all it is it i don't know i just I. oh I, it's paul thomas anderson okay that kind of makes sense but like i the trailers are weirdly, like, I don't know how to feel about it. I can't tell what kind of performance Daniel Day-Lewis is trying to give, but yet it's always, like, bookmarked by, like, this is the best performance of his career, but it's also the final performance of his career. Again. And, again, it's the the farewell tour again. But, yeah, it, I don't so know. So the critics say Phantom Thread's finely woven narrative is filled out nicely by humor, intoxicating romantic tension, you and yeah another <laughs> impressively committed performance from daniel day lewis i mean that's really people just want to see daniel day lewis commit yeah beyond need or they think <laughs> that oh because he committed that means his performance is good yeah jared leto committed to joker that doesn't mean it's <laughs> going to be good <laughs> oh boy so, i'm like yeah. now i want daniel day lewis as the joker <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, Daniel D. Lewis, 
I'm not knocking his his skill yeah. as an actor. It's just like we've it's been so through this. Yeah. It's like the every four years it's like here's the new Daniel Day Lewis movie that he spent the last three years getting into character and now yeah. he's gonna retire and be a cobbler or something. I don't know. <laughs> he's gonna like disappear to Italy <sighs> be a farmer. Yeah. Just any any profession, just name it and it probably will be accurate. Yeah. Um but no, did you see what Paul Thomas Anderson wants to make? Teen Titans. Yes. I, I'm not familiar with enough with Paul Thomas Anderson to have an opinion. He Okay, he made it's so weird because it's like his entire filmography does not fit with that. And the fact that he like not only wants to make a superhero movie, but he has a specific one in mind is shocking to me. Hmm. Because he, all of his stuff is like. No, was it something where, uh, like, an interviewer prompted him? It's like, what do you think of Teen Titans? Or he named it himself. I think he named it. Let me look because I think because I'm probably going to be wrong. But let me look. Let's see. Because, yeah, it, it's so weird to me that he's like, yeah, I would make a Teen Titans movie. Like, I, I saw that and I was like, really? <laughs> oh, okay. So so it was a Twitter Q&A. And someone goes, if you had to make a kid's movie for your own children, which cartoon would you adapt? And he said Teen Titans. Okay. So he's probably, like, thinking something like Teen Titans Go. But that even, that but makes still, it weirder. Yeah. <laughs> like, if his frame of reference is Teen Titans Go, then that makes it more confusing. Because it's like, I don't know what the version of that would be. <laughs> Me neither. But yeah, it's like, I almost just want to let him just to see what happens. Like, it's like Darren Aronofsky wanting to make a Superman movie or a Batman movie or whatever. It's like, just God, let yeah. him and see what happens. Because Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like... I'm curious, but I'm going to sit back and watch. I'm not going to put voice in it. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. If he wants to do it, let him maybe. Exactly. It certainly wouldn't hurt the DCU. No. Yeah. <sighs> I'm just like Paul Thomas Anderson, Teen Titans movie featuring a cameo from Lindsay Lohan as Batgirl. <laughs> this is, you're now, you're, you're creating my nightmares. <laughs> Next thing you were gonna have like a Wes Anderson Batman movie. Just stop. Okay, but those 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 parody videos where it's like, what if Wes Anderson made like the X Men are fucking great. That's the only Wes Anderson movie I'll see. Those little trailers. <laughs> My nightmare movie is an acapella Wes Anderson movie <laughs> with Lindsay Lohan. God, yeah. And I'm trying to think of who else. Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, I'm going to quit <laughs> movies. <laughs> All right. Well, so if you want to continue, if people want to listen to you voice your nightmares, where can they find you on social media? <laughs> uh, they can find me at the Chris Vito. Where can the people find you? At Hey, It's Jenna Lynn. And you can find us on Tomato Tomato Pod. We're on Twitter and Facebook and email and all of that. We have the emails. Yeah. Uh, oh, one thing we didn't talk about. What's that? Black, Black Panther doing really fucking well in pre-sales. It's tracking That's really all. well. Highest <laughs> uh, highest Fandango ticket sales for any MCU movie. That's fucking great. It's so great, and I'm really glad. And yeah, we're gonna do, we're gonna plot out our whole thing to be able to cover Black Panther. But we yeah. know for sure we're gonna be doing 
Creed. Yes. Yes, because I have been meaning to see that. Yeah. But yeah, it I'm really happy for it and I'm really glad that that's happening. And that's Same. all I wanted to say about that. I just wanted it's to throw deserving. that in because it's like big movie news of the month. So, uh, yeah, so yeah. if you want to discuss that uh, outside of the podcast with us, uh, we told you our Twitter, Twitter handles, our Facebook, uh, subscribe to us, leave a review on iTunes. That would be great. We'll give you internet hugs. Yes. Uh, I think that's it for social media plugs. Yeah, I think so. I think so, too. I can't think of any other plugs we have. Me neither. <laughs> I'm like, this is a weird way to end the episode. It is. It kind of fizzled there, but it's okay. We'll save it in the last, like, 30 seconds. Yeah. Um, fuck, I'm, like, completely blank. <laughs> Uh, I just, uh, there's a new promo video on the Twitter. Go share it. Tell me that you love it or hate it. Yeah. I guess, I don't know. I'm like, we, I'm, we're very proud of that video. It's very dollop-esque of like combining clips together. <laughs> but I think it's kind of delightful. And I hope that you like it. And I hope that you subscribe to us and stay tuned for next week's episode. We will hopefully try to cover an actual movie. Yeah. And not just do a mini-sode. Um, keep sending your suggestions for hashtag Ryan Gosling month. Even though we do not know when that will be. Um, it is coming. It is forthcoming. It, just yes. Yeah. It, whenever We might have a little bit more time in our schedule now that New Mutants is pushed back a year. Yes. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. Because we're plotting everything out depending on superhero movies. But, yeah. So, I guess that's it. That is it. All right. Until next time. Keep watching movies. Bye. Bye.